Welcome to the Dwelling Place Church audio podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message. We pray God speaks to you today through this message and through His Word. For more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org. Now, it's time to listen to this week's message. Hebrews chapter 13, beginning in verse 10. We have an altar from which those who serve the tabernacle have no right to eat. I want to preach a message today titled, Altar Before Offerings. Will you say that with me? Altar Before Offerings. Let me pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you. For the cross, I thank you for your care for us, that you diligently sought us out through Jesus. I thank you that in him is grace and truth, and he is the great shepherd and builder of his people, his dwelling place, his church. Holy Spirit, exalt Jesus today. Work in hearts and minds. For this we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I don't know here in the Atlanta area how many baseball fans we got. I see one right here. Jerry's got his brave shirt on this morning. But um, baseball, professional baseball has kicked off, and first week is underway. And, you know, I enjoyed playing baseball thoroughly growing up. It was a large part of my life and my experience. In fact, I played baseball because I... I had a weird route in life, a disobedient route maybe would be a better way to say it and learn some things the hard way. But I played baseball up until I was 27 years old. So um, baseball was a large part of my life. And one of the things about baseball, uh, if you have any knowledge about it, is that bases are important. Like if you want to win the game, you cannot skip bases. That bases are important. In fact, I've found it's not just in baseball that bases are important, but in many things like driving in uh, here today from the house. You know, we call them cup holders, but cup holders is a fancy way of saying a base. And cup holders are a base, if you're like me, for coffee in the morning. And sometimes the container we have our coffee in doesn't really fit right with the base. Anybody know where I'm going with this? So when that left turn happens, the coffee container that doesn't fit just right in the base goes over one of those mornings. So uh, praise the Lord. But bases are important. Now I want you to follow with me today because we're going to come back to this theme about a base. But in Hebrews, this verse we read up front, Hebrews 13, verse 10, I want to read the surrounding passage and the surrounding scriptures of it. In Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 8, the writer of Hebrews, who we do not officially know who God used to write Hebrews, it's scholarly debate, so it's needless to get in the debate because there's no certainty regardless of where you land with it. But one thing we are certain about is the writer of Hebrews had thorough acquaintance and knowledge of the Old Covenant. 
Okay? And in verse 8, the writer of Hebrews says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Wow. Basically then, he says, Therefore, do not be carried about with various and strange doctrines. For it is good that the heart be established by grace, not with foods which have not profited those who have been occupied with them. We have an altar from which those who serve the tabernacle have no right to eat. Could you imagine today going to the restaurant or where you're going to eat and you sit down and you're there to eat and they come up to you and say, sorry, you have no right to eat. That's a pretty bold statement that the writer of Hebrews is making. He says, we have an altar from which those who serve the tabernacle have no right to eat, verse 11, for the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned outside the camp. Therefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered outside the gate. <coughs> Therefore let us go forth to him outside the camp, bearing his reproach. For here we have no continuing city, but we seek the one to come. Therefore by him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name, but do not forget to do good and to share for which such sacrifices God is well pleased. I want to tell us up front today that as followers of Jesus Christ, we don't need new doctrines. I want to tell us up front today that as followers of Jesus Christ, we do not fundamentally need new methods regardless of the year we find ourselves in. For Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And Jesus is both our doctrine and our teaching and our fundamental method. I want to remind us today, dwelling place, that Jesus is our doctrine. That Jesus is our teaching. That any principle or any wise statements we share from Scripture, those things are found in Jesus and it's actually Jesus who is our teaching. Because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And Jesus also is our method. Notice that various and strange doctrines have a negative result. But they're so appealing to our flesh. It's sort of like the person who is so drawn to sugary foods. They're so appealing in the moment, but if all you eat is sugar your entire life, there's going to be some things that go wrong physically. He says, notice that there are various and strange doctrines but the end result of things 
such as these is being carried about. Now being carried about is not a positive image. It is actually an image of sort of becoming enslaved, being driven by something that is stronger or mightier or larger than you. Meaning various strange doctrines carry people about to results and places they never intended to go. They seem so appealing in the beginning. Seem so new and exciting. But they will actually carry people to places that they never intended to go. They'll carry people away from what God intended for them and where God had placed them. See, listen to me. What we need dwelling place and what I need and what you need is what believers have always needed. And that's a heart established by grace. A heart established by grace. See, you got to understand, I've grown up in the church. I've been around this thing called church and the assembly of believers now for 38 years. And I've watched many church attendees over the years get occupied with majoring on the minor issues instead of majoring on the major issues and get carried away from where God had placed them and where God had called them. I've seen many people begin to follow the new fads in Christendom and the the new strange doctrines and various teachings that begin to arise and they begin to follow them and they begin to fall captive to them and they begin to begin to focus on them instead of the reality of a need of a heart established in grace, a focus on Jesus who's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And then they begin to think they're going to help others through their side conversations and through their special revelations and through their secret house teachings only to be used by the enemy to draw people away and after themselves instead of what God has for his people. And it is because of this and multiple reasons that we find the altar has such importance. See, the altar from the beginning was central when God was seeking to establish a community. We find that from the beginning of history and recorded history in scriptures that God was working towards something bigger than just one person. He was working towards a community that he could dwell in, that he could work within, that he could work through. And the altar was central in God's plan to establish a community. Now, why did God desire a community? He desired a community for the intent that that group of people would offer offerings that were pleasing and delightful to God, to their king. Thus, it has always been altar before offerings. In fact, God in the Old Covenant or uh, through the law of Moses, He establishes standard for the altar. In fact, if you go and read in the Old Testament that he established specific requirements and standard regarding the altar. There was an order to the altar. 
And not just was there a established, defined order by God regarding the altar, but even the offerings that were to be placed on the altar, God had specific stipulations about them. He had specific requirements about the type of offerings that would actually honor him and actually please him. What I'm saying is, is that you find that God had a prescribed way of doing things that pleased him. Now, I have found that through the new birth, when the Spirit of Christ came into my life and and I was born again, became a new spirit and got a new heart and a new desire to serve God, my Creator, I have found that that came with a desire to want to please God, to want to please my Heavenly Father. But I have found that that desire has not been enough because that desire has to be informed That desire has to grow in the knowledge of the Lord that there's a prescribed way that God wants me to please Him. That there's not just any life or any things that I do that naturally please God. That God also has a design of how He wants my life and our life to please Him. Now when you go back and read in the Old Covenant, there was the altar of incense for the offering of of incense upon that altar and it was all prescribed and determined by God. There was an altar of burnt offering for the offerings that were called the sin offering or the trespass offerings or the burnt offerings or the grain offerings or the peace offerings or the wave offerings. And the book of Hebrews speaks even of these offerings. And the book of Hebrews seeks to help the hearers to understand now the new covenant. What does the altar and the old covenant offerings have in regards to now this new covenant that Jesus Christ came and established through his own blood, through his own perfect life, through his own death and resurrection? See, listen, an altar is a base. An altar is a base. And when we think about that we don't just want any type of altar, but we want a God-ordained altar. When we talk about an altar for God, we're talking about something that has been ordained by God. Meaning, in the Old Covenant, we see the type that when people wanted to build an altar, it had to be an altar that was according to God's design for it. It was according to what God established for it. And the altar was a base for community. And not only was the altar a base for community, it was a base for unity. It was central to the plan and purpose of God. It was a base, and this base became the basis for community. It became a base for God's purpose. It became the basis for unity. And it was on this base and from this base that then offerings were offered to God. Can I tell us that God has an ordained base even in the new covenant? It's called the church of Jesus Christ. A church of Jesus Christ. The word church in the Greek is ecclesia. 
and it means a group of people who have been called out of darkness into God's marvelous light to be formed into His people that they would offer sacrifices and things that please Him. God has a base. This is what we saw in verse 10. It speaks of this altar. In Hebrews 13 and 10 it says, We have an altar. We, new covenant people, followers of Jesus. It's not just the old covenant. It's not just the types and shadows that has this altar, this base. We, as New Testament followers of Jesus Christ, the resurrected King, we also have a base. We have an altar which those who serve the tabernacle have no right to eat. See, in the new covenant, there is still an altar. God still has a base for us as Jesus' followers. God has a base of brothers and sisters for us in Christ. God has a base of relationships for us regarding His purpose that He has for His people. He has a base. And this altar, this base, it matters. You know why it matters? Because God uses the altar to establish hearts. God uses the altar. He uses the base to establish hearts. And you know why established hearts are important? Because when the religious people, those that could only see according to the natural eye, Religious people who could only hear according to the natural ear. You say, well, what's wrong with that? Well, a lot's wrong with that because when we only see with the natural eye and hear with the natural ear, we will reject Jesus. We'll reject what the Lord's doing. We'll reject what He's wanting to do in our life. It was the religious community of Jesus' day that was also alongside of Pilate in the Roman government that crucified our King of glory. And they asked Jesus, these outward, just outward focused only people, they asked him, they said, how will we know when the rule and the kingdom of God has come? How can we observe that the kingdom and the rule of God has come? And he said, well, you won't see it first with your natural observation." Because Jesus said, it is among you and the kingdom of God comes first within us. It comes first in the unseen and in the unseen God builds a base so that something can become visible and show up in the scene. This is how the kingdom of God works. And the reason the altar and a base is so important is God uses the altar to establish hearts. And hearts are where God starts things that eventually get birthed and get built and get demonstrated outwardly and to those around us and to the nations that are longing for the only lasting hope. Because the hope of the nations is Jesus Christ. 
See, the right altar is used by God to establish hearts. And establish hearts, establish a community. This altar our main text speaks about is an altar that establishes hearts in grace. Notice that. It's an altar, it's a base that establishes hearts in grace. Not legalism. Not grumpiness. Not self-worship. Not self-focus. It is a base that establishes hearts in the grace of God. And and hearts of grace, guess what then they do when they join together? They establish communities of grace. What I'm telling you today is that altars are important because they're a base and God desires a base of grace. He desires individuals who allows God's work to come in their heart, His work of grace, and they have hearts that become established not in their own works, not in their own worship, not in their own worth, but in the grace of God. And then together, God builds a base of people who have established hearts, and then there is a base of a community of grace. Now, oftentimes when we talk about grace, we have a misunderstanding. Listen, grace is not the biblical idea of something that covers our sins or our weaknesses or our failures. That's the idea of mercy. Grace is the empowerment of God doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. So grace empowers us to succeed in God's will. A base of grace. Dwelling place is a bunch of individual altars, individual hearts that have allowed the king of grace to come in their heart and yet don't stop there but allow their hearts to be established in grace so that then we as a community can have a base of grace to reach people and let them know that there now is a new king in charge, there is a new way to live, there is a new option for you that you can come out of your dysfunction and your pain and your hurt and your misery because the grace and the ability of God is available through Jesus Christ. Dwelling place is a base of grace, but you only get a base of grace when you, when me individually, allow our heart to be an altar and a recipient of His grace. Of His grace. You know what else an altar represents? A base of priest. Dwelling place is not just a base of grace that God has the ability to fix things, to make crooked things straight and 
low things be elevated and high things of pride brought low so that the Lord can work through us, but it's also a base of priests. 1 Peter 2.9, Peter writes and says, but you are a chosen generation. You, plural. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Listen, we dwelling place is a community that's to be a base of priests. Every believer is a priest in the new covenant. You're not here to be entertained by one pastor or two pastors or a couple leaders. You are here and dwelling place is a community that is a base for priests. See, we talked about just a couple weeks ago that as a follower of Jesus Christ, you and I are a soldier. And when soldiers have skills and they want to serve, they don't just do it alone. There's no soldier for our country that's just going out on his own where he wants to do or where he wants to go to help the initiative of our country. There is a base for soldiers. And you and I are soldiers and dwelling place is a base for priests. It's a base for you and I as soldiers of Jesus Christ and priests. And what did priests do? Priests first, they devoted themselves to the things of God. You remember the other two weeks ago when I talked about living with mission? With the cross affecting our eyes that it's not that we're going to work, we're going to make disciples at work. That we're not just going out to eat, we're going to make disciples as we eat. That everything is filtered through that lens. It's because you and I first are to be devoted to the things of God. To God's intent. To God's heart to what God is doing on the earth. That he would be glorified. But you know what else priests did? Is they stood between people and God. They were a bridge and an instrument of the things of God to those who didn't yet have eyes to see or ears to hear or know how to get in touch with God in his ways. And you and I, who are in Christ, we are priests. We're to be devoted to the things of God and we're to stand in between those who haven't yet come to know the grace and the goodness and the gospel of Jesus Christ and the God who loved them, who sent His Son not to condemn them, but to save and to rescue them. Dwelling place is a base of grace. It's a base of priests that from this base we would proclaim the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light 
See, hearts with the right altar establish communities with the right altar. Let me put it this way. Hearts that have the right base establish communities or churches with the right base. A base of grace of what God can do of how God can empower us, of how God can work in us and through us, and a base that we are all priests. We are all vital. We all have a role. None of us in Christ are spectators. None of us in Christ are just cheerleaders. We are priests. A special people, a chosen people, a holy group of people for His glory, for His praises. See, what we are talking about here is gracious people. Not just people. Gracious, priestly people in relationship with one another as a base so that then we can offer offerings on it that please God. This is the vision of where you're at. To see Christ manifested in many ways to many people. To see Jesus revealed through many ways, many ministries, many types of outreach, many types of service, many types of personalities, many types of people to others. This is a Jesus-centered community. It's a Jesus-centered community. But to get to this base a base of grace, a base of priestly relationships, a base for us offering spiritual gifts and offering Christ through us to those that are seeking and hungry and thirsty around us. Listen, it requires faith. It requires faith. To arrive at the right altar that Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews is talking about, this altar requires faith. It requires the ability to see beyond and hear beyond the natural. It requires ears to hear what the Spirit is saying and eyes to see what the Spirit is doing. But when faith leads you, to the right altar that has the right sacrifice on it. The basis of God's grace in Jesus as the offering and the center and the basis for why we're here, the basis for what we're doing, the basis of why we're in relationship with each other, then listen, that altar provides rights. That altar provides access. That altar provides opportunities and promises and experiences that those without faith can't have. 
a whole new kingdom opens up. A whole new way of living opens up. And listen, that altar doesn't just provide rights, it provides provisions. Supernatural provisions. That altar that I'm talking about with the right sacrifice on it, it provides supernatural provisions for the mission of what God's called us to. Because notice what he says. Look in verse 10. We have an altar from which those who serve the tabernacle have no right to eat. Meaning there are people who don't have the privilege to access, don't have the right to eat what we have. What is in the world is he talking about? He's talking about those that are still focused in thinking about the Old Testament altar and the Old Testament sacrifices of animals and their good works. They're a work system instead of a heart established in grace. An altar of grace where the Spirit of grace offered Jesus as the only sacrifice that could please God, as the only life that could glorify God. Those who serve the tabernacle. Let me break it down for you what it means for you and I in the New Testament. You can have people still serving and yet have no right to eat what others are eating. See, listen, those with the wrong base, those with the wrong heart, those that have the wrong offering on the altar can serve and can serve and can serve but still be without kingdom rights. What we're seeing here is you can have people who come and come and come on a Sunday or in America go to church and church and church and church or gatherings every week and yet not have the privilege to eat what others are eating. Why? Because serving the tabernacle meant they're just serving in the natural, but they're not serving by faith. They're not serving as worship. They're doing a lot of outward stuff, but it's not flowing from the right altar in their heart of Jesus and grace. Let me put it this way. They're serving, but they just want to serve for the pastor, not the Lord of the pastor. Listen to me. They're serving, but they're serving for recognition instead of just serving for the Lord who sees all that we do and keeps a perfect account. You can have a lot of people serving and doing, 
But if they're just doing it in the natural, they're missing out on some rights and some privileges and some good eating that's available by faith because Jesus Christ, the more you taste him, the more you actually see, and the more you actually see, the more you actually hunger to taste more of his goodness. Does anybody by faith today receive the gracious Jesus and found that the more you eat, the better he gets? that you have more grace available to you in Jesus. See, there is food. There is sustenance that is available when we gather. But we can't gather with a heart not established in grace. We can't gather with the wrong mentality that just by doing the outward things allows us to experience what is available to us. See, what I'm saying is, is it's not just coming down to a physical altar that will get that emotional need healed. It's not just coming down to a physical altar that will get that wrong mentality broken off your life through the revelation of the Holy Spirit's truth in Jesus to you. You have to come in faith that the temporal, natural altar represents that Jesus and the work of his spirit is here in the unseen, that you can receive from him what you have need of from him if you will have a heart that seeks it by grace through faith, that you can't earn your deliverance, you can't earn empowerment, you can't earn the change you desire, you can't earn it, but you can receive it when you see the right altar and understand the right sacrifice on the altar, that it's not our sacrifices that guarantees or qualifies us to receive from God. It's Jesus on the altar that qualifies us. That qualifies us. Now some of you today, you beat yourself up all the time. Some of you today, you have such negative feelings about yourself. You feel so bad about yourself. Why? Because you're measuring yourself against worldly standards. And you look at people in the world and you say, they're so much further in life than me. They're financially further. It seems like their life is further. And you're measuring yourself by them and it makes you feel so bad. But you're looking at the wrong measurement of standards. And the writer of Hebrews tells these believers who were in transition and they were no longer just looking at the physical and what is happening in the physical of physical altars and, and physical offerings of animals and a physical temple. They're now looking to this one Jesus who they no longer can see. They're looking to this one Jesus who was offered on a cross that they can no longer see. And the writer of Hebrews reminds them, hey, you have an altar that those that are just doing natural outward things don't have the right to eat from. Here's my point. When we feel less privileged than the world around us, let us never forget we are the most privileged in Christ. 
that you and I in Christ have access to the king of the kingdom and the creator of the universe that others don't have access to. Why we as the people of God are coming down here feeling less than others. We are the most privileged above others. Did you not hear Peter say, you're a special person. You're a priest of the Most High God. You have been designed and called out of misery and darkness to be not just the voice of God and His truth to others, but the hands and the body and the feet of Jesus to them. We have an altar. We have food. We have provisions that unbelievers have no right to. Now listen, all have been invited. All have been invited to this altar, but remember there is a God-determined, God-prescribed standard for the altar and access to the altar. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the offering upon the altar that brings us back to our Creator and our Father. Don't allow the mockery and the standards of the world to make you feel less than when we're more privileged in Christ. We're children of the Most High God. Jesus Christ is our Lord and King. We have access to a kingdom that other people cannot see and other people cannot hear. We're privileged. And you know what I found? It's only those who know by experience that they are not less than in Christ that then find the option to willingly humble themselves in service to others. See, I have found that people, you and I, people even as followers of Jesus, if they feel less than others, then they never feel empowered to serve others around them. You have to first understand who you are in Christ, that you are privileged, that God loved you so much that He found a way through a preacher, through a friend, through a book you read, through someone giving you a Bible to draw you out of your darkness and dysfunction into His marvelous light. It's from that place of understanding we're privileged in Christ that then we can choose to humble ourselves and to serve the hurting and the needy around us. However, if you take it to the other extreme, never forget when we feel more privileged, let us never forget we were the least privileged before Christ. <laughs> if you ever get where you feel so privileged where you don't use your privilege to serve others, to serve the Lord, to serve what He's doing on the earth, don't forget that before Christ we were the least privileged. I think Pastor Craig mentioned it last week, Ephesians 2. We were aliens and strangers to God's covenant and without God in our world having no hope. But God built an altar of grace. And He put on that altar of grace the only sacrifice that could please Him, the only sinless perfect one, Jesus and when we come to that place in faith, grace changes our heart, but that grace wants to continue to grow until we have hearts established in grace. And we, listen, are based. 
We are based in our stance towards each other of grace. I want to put it this way. We either have hearts that are based on His grace or we are off base. We either have hearts that are established that we are who we are because of Christ. We have what we have because of God's Spirit and work in our life. Hearts that recognize if it weren't for God, where would we be? I want us to understand that as a community, if we're not relationally based, then we're off based. I want Dwelling Place to hear today that if we're not priestly based, if we don't continue to sit before you, that this place is not a place just to come and get entertained. This place is our place. It's a base for us as soldiers and priests so that then we can do what God's called and equipped us to do. If this isn't priestly based, then we're off based. Now look at verse 11 and 12 there in Hebrews 13. It says, For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned outside the camp. Therefore Jesus also that he might sanctify the people with his own blood. See, God provided an altar. And on that altar, listen... He provided blood that you and I could never provide. He sets people apart for His purpose now, but He does it with the blood of Jesus, with the only sacrifice that can go on the altar that can sanctify us. See, listen, when I come in faith or come down here, it's not my tears that sanctify my life. It's not my tears that deliver me from the things in my soul that is dysfunctional. It, it, it's not my earning being healed that gets me emotionally healed or physically healed. It, it's not my own works and I had, had a good week and therefore I earn to eat of Jesus as my deliverer this week. No, no, no. It's, you have to put Jesus as the only sacrifice upon your heart that pleases God. And it's His life and His blood that will sanctify our life. It will set us apart. He'll change what needs to be changed when we have the right altar, an altar of grace, not an altar of trying to earn it. An altar of grace, not an altar of us trying to deserve it. An altar of grace, not an altar of us through our own works obtaining it. The right altar is an altar of grace and the sacrifice upon that altar is Jesus. That when we pray for one another and lay hands on one another, you have to... Touch Jesus through those hands. Brothers and sisters, our hands don't have the ability to help the one next to us. But if you by faith will reach out and receive from Jesus through those hands, He has the ability to take what's crooked in our life and make it straight. To take the mountains that challenge and the fears that stand before us and to tear them down to take the low places of depression and inferiority and fear and raise them up. Jesus has the ability. He has the ability. You got to put grace on the altar, not your works. You got to put Jesus on the altar, not yourself. 
See, do you know what you put on the altar determines our peace? When you put whether you're worthy on the altar, it's going to determine your peace. When you put your efforts on the altar, it's going to determine your peace. Because it's only when you put Jesus on the altar that the peace of God comes. We don't attain peace. We receive Jesus as our peace. Do you know what you put on the altar of your heart determines if you're forgiven or not? You can't put your own good works on on display to earn forgiveness. You've got to put Jesus, His blood, His perfect work on the altar of your heart. I want, in conclusion, to exhort us with three things regarding characteristics of hearts that become established in grace. And then four habits we as a community are to do together. The first thing, and the blank there, about established hearts is grace before good works. Grace before good works. I need you to understand that we value your heart as an altar more than your hands as a help. Because we understand if we don't get the altar of our hearts established in grace, then this community can do a lot of things, but it won't be a community of grace. And I don't just want to be a community that accomplishes a lot, but we're not gracious towards one another. I don't want to be a community that has a lot of activity, but we don't actually love each other the way we're called to. That we're doing a lot, but we don't respect one another to come and have conversations that we don't value one, each other enough to actually talk to one another. See, we, when we have established hearts, it's grace before good works. Yes, in Christ, we're all predestined to good works that God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. But it's to be our hearts established that it's about Jesus. The base of why we're doing this is Jesus. The base of why we're in right standing with the Father is Jesus. It's not my base. It's not your base. It's His base. This is a community that is central about Jesus. It's not a basis for our opinions. It's not a basis for our preferences. That the whole main base and major thing is Jesus. We're here. And it's those hearts establishing grace, established in Jesus, that then we can be empowered to walk in the good works that God has for us. Listen, I don't want us involved but not gracious as we're involved. I don't want you just to be involved but be critical as you're involved. I don't want you to be involved but you're doing it out of a legalistic mentality to try to earn acceptance to me or God or anyone else. I want us to understand that established hearts, Jesus' hearts, are hearts where it's grace before good works. Involved but not securing your identity? I don't want you seeking constant attention and affirmation approval from what you're doing. It's hearts established in grace. And out of that, then we do what God's called us to. Secondly, established hearts focus on the unseen before the seen. Now notice I didn't say 
the unseen to the neglect of the seen. The seen's very important. You know why the seen's important? Because the people out here who don't know that there's an altar, that there's another kingdom, that there's a sacrifice on the altar that please God, Jesus, that they don't have to earn salvation, earn their deliverance. Listen, they cannot see what it is we're talking about. So God has to use seen things to draw them to a place to maybe get the faith to see beyond the natural and to see Jesus and his cross and his grace. But established hearts are unseen before seen. Meaning, God's got to work for us to be seen in Woodstock. God's got a building. He's got a work. He's got a call for us that is to be seen by the community around us. But we are a people that understand if we have established hearts, we first seek the unseen before the one that is seen. Meaning in what God has for us in this season, there's going to be some outward things that take place, but we don't focus on the outward to the neglect of the unseen, that we are still seeking a city that is coming. We're still seeking a kingdom that is coming, but it's out of this seeking, it's out of this prayer that the Lord taught us, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, that we do the natural building and the natural progression in what God has called us to do in this community. Meaning, listen, we focus on the Lord's building, His people, which is what we do before we have focused on an actual dwelling place physical building. That we seek the kingdom first in the eternal city before we seek how we can benefit through a natural building and other ways to partner with the temporal city around us, Woodstock and the region more. Hearts establishing grace is the unseen before the seen, meaning... You seek the Lord before you ask another. You ask the Lord before you ask another. That's seeking the unseen before the seen. Thirdly, established hearts means heart before hands. Heart before hands. It's altar before offerings. Your heart is an altar. Your heart is a base for all that you do. Our heart is to be first Jesus' altar. Our heart is first to be Jesus' base. And then from that base, He works within us and then He works outside of us. Every one of us is a priest. Every one of us is called to a function unto God and in this community. But established hearts understand it's heart before hands. That we don't just want your hands committed. We don't just want the fruit of your work, your money committed. We want your heart to be committed to Jesus who is the base of why this exists. Of grace. That's the base of why this exists. Listen, we're not just a base for the matters of the hands, 
we're also a base for the matters of the hearts. This is a place where we care not just about your hands being committed, but what's going on in your heart. We care about people's hearts before their hands, which is why we've never, since my wife and I moved up here, 2011, the beginning of understanding there's got to be an altar before offerings can be offered to the community around us. There's got to be a base of grace, a a base of Jesus-focused people. There's got to be a base of priests, of people who understand that they're not coming to be entertained or, or play a lesser role, that they are priests like every one of the others. That there had to be a base before we would ever do a capital campaign. Before we'd ever say, you know what, now there's enough rooted in the unseen that God's calling us to move forward and do something in the seen that He can use to draw people who have eyes that cannot see and ears who cannot hear to an unseen king, an unseen kingdom, to an altar that they can't see but has the power to absolutely save them and heal them and deliver them and forgive them and mercy can flow into their hearts and absolute pierce and push back darkness that's invaded their lives. So the three characteristics of established hearts, grace before good works, unseen before seen, and heart before hands. And then four habits that we see in this text that God's called us to do together. Number one, in verse 13, the writer of Hebrews says, therefore let us go forth to him outside the camp. Let us go forth to Jesus outside of what is we've been used to. Outside of the current place that we've known. Let us go forth to Jesus outside the camp. Number one, let us go forward. Let us go forward. It's not Pastor Chad. It's not Pastor Craig going forward. It's not the leaders going forward. It's let us go forward. We are His dwelling place. We are a base of priests. We are a base of a community of grace that says, I can't help you and I can't change you maybe the way you ultimately need to, but Jesus, who's the center of this base, He can help you. He's got grace for you. Hallelujah. That's the dwelling place mission. Gather people to Jesus Christ and let Him who is the only sacrifice upon the altar that pleases God. Let Him work. Let Him touch them. Let Him reveal Himself to them. Secondly, let us seek. It says in verse 14, For here we have no continuing city, but we seek the one to come. In this season, as we seek to see what God is going to do and desires to do in the natural Let us together seek first the unseen kingdom of God. Let us first be people of prayer. Let us first be people in the seeker place of prayer before we're in the public spectacle of what God's doing through this community. Let us be people of fasting before we invite those that there's something that they've never tasted, they've never seen that is good, that can satisfy them, Jesus Christ. Let us be people of sowing. Let us first seek the unseen king. As we 
seek to see God do something in the scene. Let's not in our priestly duties forget that we're to be Godward, not just manward. Number three, let us praise continually. Notice in verse 15 it says, Therefore by Him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. You know why so many people come in on Sundays and they don't praise Him? You say, well, what does it mean to praise Him? He tells you right there, you got to open your mouth. you got to use your lips. The reason so many don't is because they forget it's by Him let us offer it. They think that we come in and we praise if we had a good week. They think we come in and praise whether we feel emotionally good. No, no, no. It's by Him we offer. And He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Meaning my language of praise should be the same whether I've had a horrible week, a good week, a bad week, an up week, a down week. It's Jesus Christ who's the same and His sameness is what's to determine the sameness of my praise. What I'm trying to say as we move forward in what God has for us, this is a base of praise. This is not no staunch place where we come in and think that we determine what we offer to God. God's already told us what we are to offer to Him. Not just the praise singers, not just whoever wants to sit on the front row. It's lonely down here sometimes. I wish you'd come sit by me. It's not just for the pastors, you know. But that we would offer our praise. Come on, our praise. Giving thanks to His name for His fame. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because we have a base that is unchanging. We have an altar that God gave us. The cross. And we have an offering that's the same. It's sufficient. It's able. He's able to do more than we could ever imagine or ask. And that offering upon God's ordained altar is Jesus. And it's by Him we praise. Not by our own works we praise. Not by our own goodness we praise. Not by our own emotions we praise. It's by Him. Let us, all of us, continually offer. Because see, in your up week, there's probably a brother and sister around you that's had a down week. And, and they're so conscious about themselves and their week that in the moment they're forgetting that we're offering based on Jesus every week is perfect. Every week is worthy. But when you come in on your up week and you're faithful to do what it's called to do, it begins to challenge where the enemy's trying to suppress the brother and sister around you to offer saying you're not worthy to praise Him today. You're not worthy to dance today. Oh, if the people out there saw, they would say you're a hypocrite. Oh, listen, we have an altar that those out there can't recognize. We have a king that those out there can't see. So why are we concerned about that? We are to offer our praises unto Him week after week because He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's a grace-based place. Number four, let us remember. But do not forget to do good and to share. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. As we go forward, as we seek first the kingdom and the unseen before the natural and the seen of what God has for us, as we praise continually and offer to God what He 
and the type of sacrifice He's designed for you and I, the fruit of our lips, as we do all those things, let us remember. Remember what? To do good and to share. Remember to sacrifice. Remember to to give. Remember such things is well-pleasing to God. Remember God keeps a perfect account. He sees what might go unnoticed by man. Let us remember that when I forget to thank you, let us remember when a team leader forgets to thank you, let us remember that he was well pleased, that he sees. See, that's a base of grace. Not just grace from here down, but a, but a base of grace from there to here. That this whole thing is only about the altar that God designed, the cross and the sacrifice God put on that altar, Jesus. This is about Him. And anything else outside of Him will disappoint all of us. Because He alone is the sacrifice. But when you have a heart established in grace, and therefore we become a community of grace, and a base of grace, and a base of relationships, and a base of priests, then we can allow Him through us to offer things back. And they're well-pleasing to God because it's the outflow of first His work of grace in our hearts. Directly across, when you look out the front doors of this facility, there's a lot of construction happening. That was about 10 acres. The purchase price was about $2.3 million for that. It's going to be a mixed-use development. There's going to be office suites and then some housing going in. Well, that's a, a little beyond what, where God has us. But right down the road here, on Highway 92, you come to the first light. It's Springfield. You take a ride at Springfield there, and there's two businesses. There's a bank, two businesses, and then there's a bunch of green Georgia pines. There's 5.23 acres there. We currently, as a community, have under contract that 5.23 acres for $500,000. Now when you consider what I just said, and if you don't know anything about money and property, we're grateful for that. We don't know. We're just following when the Lord opens the door. We're just taking the next step. See, we're seeking first the unseen, and then following Him to what He unfolds in the scene. There are some contingencies upon our contract of the city approving all of the master plan, some stuff that has to be changed. But if the city and all that goes smooth, then on that, that basically it can be used the way God would want us to use that land, we would close and buy that property. Now, as we begin to look at where we're at financially and what God has done, again, we've never had a capital campaign. Where we're at financially is just based on people 
giving, giving faithfully, wise stewardship in this community. And as we began to look at the finances, it hit me, really felt led that it made sense and practically about the only way it was going to work for us on a good timeline is to seek to raise the money to buy the land without a loan, buy the land debt free with cash so that then that puts us already in a place to get the construction loan to start building. Now where we're at financially, what that means is $180,000. That's it. If we can move forward together and trust God and be willing to offer upon an altar a base of grace and a base of relationships and a base of we're all priests and involved, we're all His dwelling place. 180000 would allow us to purchase it debt-free and still have money in the bank where we're not living month to month. They have a slide. This is We're going to begin talking more about this in the weeks to come, but we're calling this capital campaign the first ever His Blueprint. His Blueprint to remind us that it's altar before our offerings. That in all of this, we're doing it together. It's hearts established in His grace. And hearts established in His grace, we're focusing that the reason we're believing for a building of our own is because God's called us to be used to build His ultimate dwelling place, which is the lives of individuals, the hearts of individuals families in the homes of individuals coming to know the saving knowledge and power of Jesus Christ the King. That in all of our outward financial giving and all of the outward plans and processes, we never forget His blueprint, which is more people being dwelt with His Spirit and coming home to a good and perfect Father. Next week, we'll begin to have capital campaign envelopes. All capital giving is, to, is giving above and beyond our normal tithes and offerings. Our normal tithes and offerings takes care of us setting the future budget for next year and monthly expenses. But $180,000, and we can buy that land debt-free. And then that land allows us basically to have it as the down payment for the construction loan, okay? We're going to always obviously be completely accessible to you for questions and things you have. We'll tell you all that we know in the process. But where we're at is the architects and the engineer are finalizing the master plan. And once the master plan is finalized, they will go before the city and present it. And then from there, there's a lot of things that has to take place. But want you to be prayerful Remember, we're after your heart before your hands. But I'm confident as I spent this week thinking about the journey to this point that there's a base of grace and there's a base of relationships and there's a base of people who understand their priest 
and that it's our place, our calling, that we're chosen and God has called us to let us go forth following Jesus and to move forward in this way in this season. Thank you so much for listening to this week's message. If you would like more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org.